You're listening to a DM podcast. And I'm self-aware of, of all my behaviors. There's some things about me that aren't really the shiniest, but I'm at least honest about my behaviors. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a new episode of Mr. A+. Hope everyone out there is doing well. Joining me today is an amazing woman who is a journalist and a passionate storyteller who is determined to find new and creative ways to invite people with interesting experiences to share their story. I believe our guest today has some very fascinating stories of her own to tell. I'm certainly looking forward to having a really deep and meaningful conversation with her. Let's give a warm welcome for Georgia May. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. What a fantastic intro. Um, Thank you. I'm a big fan of the podcast and Thanks. the show. I've loved watching you, so it's an absolute honour to be here. Thank you, Georgia. It's my, my pleasure, really. Thank you. First off, how are you doing and your family? I'm doing very well, thank you, and my family's doing well. We had Mother's Day yesterday, so I'm actually, I grew up on the Central Coast, which is about an hour north of Sydney, so I often head up there on the weekends and spend time with family, but yeah, it's always good to get out of the city. Amen. How are you? How's your family? I'm doing all right, and so is my family. We're doing well. That's good. For the most part, Mm -hmm. at least. Ups and downs, always. Amen. I hear you recently launched your own podcast. Can you tell us about it? I sure can. So my podcast is called Life Chats. Uh, it's where I, it's a space for me to have uh, deep and meaningful conversations with people from all walks of life. There's kind of no boundaries on my podcast. We talk about religion. We talk about spirituality. We talk about people who have had near-death experiences and kind of what they've learned from that. Um, But I'm a very curious person and I love to understand the way people think and the way they behave. And coming from my background in journalism, the podcast is a really special platform for me to be able to kind of strip down all the rules that you have with traditional journalism and just have a chat one-on-one like we do here. Exactly. That's really impressive. Thank you. it's also really interesting to know that your podcast has no bounds. Mm. So I think a lot of people... um, kind of become nervous when they get on a podcast, even me talking to you today and having kind of the dynamic switched and me not being in control of the questions. It can be an interesting situation where you have to kind of just be open to where the conversation goes. But I think if you're very curious and you're open to learning and hearing about someone's story, you know, I believe everyone has a story to share and it's just about asking the right questions and, and being open to where it goes. Of course. After all, who doesn't? Exactly. I've been doing this for almost two years now. Mm. and um, What parts of it do you enjoy the most? I enjoy everything about it. Yeah. Especially, doing, especially d- recording them. You're very good at it. Thanks. I love how you're guessing yourself, you know, you're always laughing and you kind yeah. of have some great topics that you discuss. You're a natural. Thank you. It's because I like my podcast to be a, a safe platform where opinions and choices are all welcome without mm. fear of being judged or being being marginalised mm, in any way. Mm-hmm. It's also a platform for people to have a conversation, have a little bit of fun, totally. while at the same time me maintaining a degree of professionalism. Well, that's for me. I, I kind of held off from 
starting a podcast for so long. I've always been a very passionate storyteller um, and I've loved telling stories in different ways, whether that be writing or video or photography or um, making little movies as a kid. And I kind of always wanted to do the podcast, but I thought, you know, this space is so crowded at the moment. You kind of think it's oversaturated or that people won't listen to your podcast. Um, But then I thought I should just do it for the sake of the enjoyment of doing it and connecting with people rather than it having to be you know, it having to reach certain goals or achieve certain things. It's purely for the, the joy of doing it. I was actually going to ask you what inspired you to decide to to start doing a podcast, but I feel like you've already answered that. <laughs> I can give you a little bit of background to my um, kind of career so far, if you like. Yes, that, that would be wonderful. Sure. So um, where should I start? As I said, I've always been a very passionate storyteller. I think all children are incredible storytellers and we kind of lose that as we get older and we Mm. become conditioned in the world. Amen. Mm. It's very easy to do. And I think it was Picasso who said, you know, all children are artists, but the trouble is maintaining that as you as you grow older. So I went through high school. I was involved in kind of theatre and a little bit of um, musical theatre here and there. And then straight out of high school, whilst all my friends went off to uni to do all sorts of things, law and medicine and teaching, um, I decided to go to an acting school. So that's where I spent nearly two years. It was in the city in Surrey Hills, learning from some incredible people, um, actors in the industry across both screen and stage. And it was through that experience that I kind of realised pretty quickly I enjoyed being on the other side of the camera. So rather than being in front of the camera, I preferred to kind of be making the creative decisions behind the camera and Mm -hmm. and storytelling in that way. So after I went to acting school, I thought, I think I'm going to need to do a little bit more study or get some more experience to get into the industry. So I went to uni and I did journalism and I did an internship at Channel 10 which was amazing, kind of being in the studio where they where they shoot Studio 10. It's exactly what it looks like on the TV. Um, I was pretty starstruck, but I think I realised that hard news journalism was not what I was interested in. I loved the creative side of things and I loved long-form storytelling. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I've done a few different gigs in between. I've done a little bit of marketing work. And then finally, I've launched my own podcast so I can blend the two, journalism and creative storytelling. That's definitely quite a background (laughs) and a story itself. Thank you. Which actually leads me to my next question. Mm -hmm. Um, What exactly is ACTT and what did you study there? So I studied an advanced diploma of stage and screen acting. So it's a smaller acting school. They offer short courses and also diplomas. Um, It's very difficult in Australia to um, get a diploma, sorry, a bachelor in acting. There's only a few universities that actually offer that course and they're very, very prestigious and hard to get into. You you might have heard of NIDA and WAPA, where all the best kind of actors and actresses in the world have come from, you know, Heath Ledger and um, Russell Crowe and all these amazing people. So ACTT was a smaller school. It offered a shorter course, which is what I was interested in rather than the four-year bachelor. Um, And it was awesome. We put on lots of different shows and I met some amazing people there. If you're familiar with those actors named Chris Hemsworth and Isabel Lucas, they studied at ScreenWise. Yes, they did. Which is where I studied last year. Can you tell me a bit about your experience studying acting? I'd love to hear. It was actually a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I said to myself, I can't remember the last time I enjoyed doing a course. Yes. What did you love about it? Learning different techniques and how to improve your acting skills, sharpening them. 
doing it with different um, classmates because mm-hmm. um, at home I don't have a sparring partner because I'm literally the only performer in my family and I feel like a fish out of water among them at times. Mm. And plus none of, none of my family members have, have any comprehension of acting. It can be, I think, overlooked. A lot of people think, you know, acting is just as simple as learning your lines, but yeah, it's not. It's not that simple. It is not. And I think as well, what I was surprised by was when I went to acting school, having different teachers in all different modalities of um, moving and and voice and sound and, you know, learning how to use your body. I would have a three-hour class some days just on movement or a four-hour class on vocals rather than, you know, it just being this overarching learning how to act. Um, it was very in-depth and I really enjoyed it. Acting is like one of the best careers in the world. Mm. What are your dreams for acting? Where do you see yourself going? Well, I consider myself to be a versatile performer. Mm-hmm. I don't really, never really picture myself being a leader acting, leading actor in all these action movies. I never really considered myself to be that. Mm-hmm. I'm like to act in film, television, voice acting as well. Mm-hmm. Is one of, that's one of the bigger ones for me. Wanting to do all kinds of genres except horror, thriller, <laughs> slasher, and suspense. I don't like thriller either. It's too much for me. They're too heavy. What about theatre? Do you only like screen acting or would you consider getting into theatre? I would consider theatre, but I uh, kind of prefer screen acting. Mm. Do you ever watch movies and you find it hard to just enjoy the movie because you're watching how they act? Nope. Oh, <laughs> I find that hard because sometimes... You know, I'm so engrossed in watching what they're doing that I kind of miss the story. Whereas I think a really, really good actor, it's not yeah. obvious that they're acting. In terms of um, genres, my top preferred one is comedy. Yes. Because it's healthier for the mind and because it gives people an escape from reality. While drama, on the other hand, reminds me so much of reality. Mm. Because, real- because reality is a very self-centered, dark, dystopian place. Mm. Well, you're very good at comedy. I watched your uh, best man speech. I think that's kind of making the rounds on social media. It's gone a bit viral. Yeah, it kind of has. <laughs> did you expect that it would do that when you did it? I wasn't really surprised. Really? <laughs> on the night of that wedding, that was like, um, everyone kept saying that my, that my speech was the best one. I'm not surprised. And I was receiving compliments about it the entire night. Yeah, it comes down to comedic timing, I think, which is you're very good at that and and being able to gauge when people are laughing and when to pause and when to kind of um, rev up the audience a bit. You're very good at that. Thanks. I just like to have the audience have their laugh and then just get back to it. (laughs) I was also going to mention that people from the older generation, like people born before the 1950s, Mm -hmm. they, they don't see acting as a job. They see it as just a hobby. Something I find insulting. I find it insulting too. And I think it's actually true for most creative uh, endeavors and, and most of the creative industry. It's very hard to assert that jobs like being a musician or a painter or a photographer or anything creative is a real job. I think that's definitely changing because social media and the landscape of work these days, kind of being able to pick up your laptop and work from wherever and whenever you want. It's a very different kind of landscape to where our 
parents potentially how they grew up and how they were working. You know, the nine to five office thing is not so common anymore. But it still mm. is hard to kind of assert yourself as a creative and, yeah. and an actor. Do you find that it's hard to, to say to people, I'm an actor, or do you feel proud of that? I feel proud of it. That's good. But also, I don't really care what, what people think because other people may express what they want for you, but what they want for you is not what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, what a person really wants for themselves, what their heart desires, that's what's best for that person. And I and like I say, a parent should never stand between their son or daughter and their destiny, whether they love them or not. Totally. It is such a privilege though, isn't it, to come from a supportive family. Um, I can't speak for yep. you, but for me, I've always had parents that have said, you know, follow your dreams and figure out what you love and what you're good at and and chase that because life is too short. And they kind of, they worked jobs that they didn't like to be able to provide for their family, almost as a sacrifice so that my brother and I could do the jobs that we love. So I feel almost indebted and an obligation to never settle for a job that I don't love because I've been given the privilege and the opportunity to chase more. Yep. Because here are my thoughts. If you're in a in a job or a career that doesn't allow you to be creative, I call those jobs soulless. Mm, it is soul-destroying. Working these monotonous nine-to-five jobs just to provide for your family, that doesn't seem like a fulfilling life to me. That feels like a very endless, lifelong task that you can never be rid of. Well, I share your opinion there, but sometimes I wonder, do people who aren't creative, potentially they enjoy that sort of routine work. Maybe they don't feel the need to create. Do you think that's true? Yeah, it, yeah, it is, but that's what some people want. That's, yeah. a, that's a life that I don't really want for myself. It's a very bad thing to give up dreams, mm. especially, f- especially for anyone. You see, the thing is literally anybody can go to university, get a traditional job, have kids, buy a place, have a pet. Anybody can do those things. But in my eyes, you have to be very talented to have a place in the performing arts because not everybody can do it. You also have to be incredibly resilient and incredibly strong mentally because it can be an industry and the type of career that can really beat you down and you can start to question yourself and, you know, walking into rooms with incredibly talented people, um, you can develop imposter syndrome and you can convince yourself that you're not good enough. So I think you have to be so fiercely um, courageous to be able to embark on any any endeavor that is creative. Yeah. And you also have to apply a lot of determination as mm-hmm. well. I agree. And I think for me, and I find this in the podcast, you might feel the same, is that creative works are often an extension of us. When we work a regular job, say an office job, we're not pouring our heart and soul into our work, or maybe we are, but I think creative endeavors are an extension of who you are as a person. And therefore it feels very scary sometimes to release that to the world for fear of judgment or um, Mm -hmm. for fear of, for me, I often wonder, is it good enough? You know, that sort of, um, that sort of rhetoric, but I think it's a courageous thing to do. Yes, it definitely is. I see acting as as a form of art. A real artist, whether they're a writer or an actor or a podcaster, those people stand by their work regardless of what anybody else thinks because if they have a problem with, with your work, that's on them. Mm-hmm. 
because really the only person person's opinion that should matter is the the creative person itself. But if you think that your but if you think that your own work is crap, that is really sad. Creativity and creating any form of art feels like a compulsion. It doesn't feel like something that can be ignored, for me at least. And so regardless of the quality, if I put it out into the world, I feel like I've achieved something. Yeah, of course. Being creative is very fulfilling and very rewarding too. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's the laughter that that people let out. What about stand-up comedy? I'm not, my head's not full of jokes. Mm. A lot of stand-up artists actually prepare though. They, they pre-prepare and rehearse their script and then they just kind of adapt it on the night to the audience. In terms of formats, um, I'm more of a television person than, than someone who's into films, but I still enjoy watching films regardless. Mm-hmm. Television shows have more stories to tell. It goes flows at a more realistic pace. There's more room for character development, story growth, etc., with films, you only get one story. And unlike films, television shows don't rely on the box office. And I think the quality of Australian storytelling and Australian television at the moment is just on another level. Like, yeah. I know you interviewed the beautiful Claudia Carvin. And, I did. you know, Bump was just such an incredible piece of work in terms of what it did for the Australian television landscape and highlighting kind of you know, diverse voices and and minority families that often wouldn't make it onto our screens. So I think we're really paving the way. That's good. It's exciting to see. Are you talking about in terms of comedy? No, just in television in general, you know, Australian television. Because in my my opinion, Australia needs to do better with comedy. Maybe they're waiting for you. (laughs) Well, I actually take inspiration from a lot of people from from the States. Mm -hmm. So So I can definitely help with that. And I also really want to do voice acting as well. Yes. What sort of voice acting? For animated characters. Mm. I take my biggest inspirations from Hanna-Barbera's content, specifically the characters voiced by Don Messick and Doss Butler, two of the greatest that ever lived. Can you give us a bit of a voice now? Any of your favourites? Don Messick voiced Ricochet Rabbit, Scooby-Doo, Muttley and Astro and the Jetsons. Astro and... And Scooby-Doo sound very similar. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Raggy? Rob? Ranks are what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Richie! And with um, Dawson Butler, he did characters like Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound, Quick Draw McGraw, and one of my top favourites, Snagglepuss. Mm-hmm. Who I could do superbly. Let me hear it. What do you say to that? What do you say to that? He's in the next room. Wonderful, wonderful. I'll just snag him with his tea strainer. Heavens to Murgatroyd. His shooting has improved immensely. Very, very good. I would give you a round of applause, but I know that doesn't sound great through the microphones, but I'm silently clapping you right now. Thank you. <laughs> and, and this is Bonnie Rubble. I bet it'll be a beautiful baby, Fred. Well, it's a hard thing to believe, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I got Very some, good. some more questions. Please Thank you. hit me. You're welcome. <clears throat> what are you most passionate about in life? Telling stories. That's kind of, it feels like my life's work. Um, getting to, you know, know people and bring their human experience to light because I just think 
we're all on this earth and we all come from such different walks of life. And maybe this is my view because I'm a little bit spiritual, but I think the one thing that connects us is our stories. Um, you know, it's how we make sense of the world. It's how we learn about the world and people that are different to us. And we've been telling stories since, you know, time immemorial. It's kind of, they've been passed down in our generations through our families. And I think yeah. they hold such incredible power and weight. Yeah. So I think for me, um, that's kind of my life's mission is to bring stories to light. And it does sound very generic and very kind of cliche, but um, it, it feels true. Mm. Well, <clears throat> I can relate to that because my, my life's objective is to perform and to entertain people. And a factory is certainly no place for a creative person. Agreed. I often think of the great performers, someone like Jim Carrey, or, you know, there's so many, but can you imagine him working in an office or a factory? It just, it would not work. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> but I am also quite a spiritual person, as I said, and I enjoy meditating and yoga mm. and learning and, you know, health and wellness is a massive part of my life. So that also brings me a lot of joy as well. And um, maybe potentially one day my work will take me into that industry or that space as well. I'm open to that. Wonderful. I'm also kind of a spiritual person as well. What are, What's your experience with spirituality, I suppose, or what does it mean to you? Inner peace. Mm. One way I um, like to connect in terms of spirituality is being amongst nature. When, you look, when you're in nature, you, you see the trees, the grass, the soil, the sand, the water, all of that, and even animals. Do you know what? All those things have in common the, the supreme definition of purity. Mm, I think for me, nature definitely makes me feel very present. And it's extremely easy in our fast-paced world to kind of lose your sense of presence and kind of forget, as you said, source, where you come from and, and what connects us to this yeah. incredible and crazy planet. And yeah. so many people find that in different ways. A lot of people find it through meditating. Some people find it through walking in nature. Other people mm. find it through creating. That makes them feel connected. Of course. Um, but I think it's important that everyone finds their version of that and mm. connects to it regularly, which is what spirituality is for me as well. Ah, yes, of course. In fact, there are three things that I'm most passionate about in life. Tell well, me. Well, four actually. Animals and nature is two of them, mm -hmm. and so is acting, of course. And the fourth one is railways. I didn't know that. Well, now you do. What do you love about them? Everything about them. Mm -hmm. You see, because I'm on the, on the autism spectrum, I have Asperger's, actually. People on the spectrum have this fascination with modes of transportation, or in my case, railways. Mm hmm I first developed a love of it when I was three years old because I first discovered Thomas and started watching it. Since then, I was hooked. I now remember this from the show, actually, watching this on the show where you talk about railways. Yeah. I was going to ask you, where has the best railway system in the world? In terms of efficiency, I would say Japan. Mm. But I beg to differ because I kind of favour the British railways. Why is that? because they used real engines. Mm. The British Railways were the basis for the railway series. It's a series of books that inspired Thomas the Tank Engine, the, show, the television show. Mm -hmm. People have this common misconception that 
steam engines require just coal. They also need water mm. because in the cab of a steam engine, it requires two people, a driver and a fireman. While the driver operates the controls from the cab, the fireman's job is to shovel coal from the tender or bunker into the firebox, and then the fire boils the water in the boiler, and that how it, and it makes steam. That would be a tough gig. We talk about, you know, doing hard jobs. So that would be one of them. Yeah, but I would consider working on railways very rewarding. Yeah, you would enjoy doing that? Yeah. Yep. If I wasn't passionate about acting enough to want to pursue a career in it, I would pursue a career in railways or with animals. Mm. You never know. You might be able to do all three. In one lifetime. How is that going to be possible? Do you know they've done studies and our generation on on average have four to five different careers compared to our parents who usually only had one. So there is freedom there to explore if you wanted to try something new in your life. Mm. But I feel the same way. It can be difficult. It takes many years to become good at your craft and it would be hard to get to a point where you feel that you're succeeding and then to just change industries. Yeah, of course. Everyone is passionate about something in life. In your case, it's storytelling. But for me, it's acting, along with those three other things that I mentioned. Mm. I love that you have multiple interests. I think that's important. And it's so great that you know yourself so well, because a lot of people, especially a lot of younger people, um, don't have that kind of awareness of what they enjoy doing. And like you said before, they can feel kind of um, caught up in the rat race or what society and their family expects of them and they don't actually stop to think do I enjoy this is this what I'm good at is this what I want to contribute to the world and then often I think what happens is they can get to a certain age and have a bit of a panic that doesn't feel aligned but I don't see life as a race I see life as two things a book and a puzzle Mm -hmm. in terms of a book um, life itself is one whole book the years are like chapters The months are like pages. The weeks are like paragraphs. And sentences are like days. And the hours are like words. It just breaks down as as it gets smaller. And then what about puzzles? Well, if if there are goals in life you want, like wealth, inner peace, Mm -hmm. a pet, a house, a career, a partner, those are all pieces of the puzzle without... Without all of the pieces together, the puzzle will never be complete. And all our puzzles are different, right? So what makes your puzzle complete is not necessarily what would make my puzzle complete. And that's yeah. that's true for so many different people, you know, chasing different goals and having different values. And that's what I think is the beauty of life, that we all have such different visions and versions of success and happiness and fulfillment. Yeah, of course. And so that's basically how I see life. I love that. I think they're great analogies. And But there's also more in terms of a puzzle. There's not just your goals, but there's also other things. Your family is your biggest support system. Your, fa- your friends are like your second family. There's also your pets, who are also part, part of your family, but also an important part in life for, for mental health and companionship. Your life partner or romantic partner is another is another addition to your bigger support system and then there's children as well and your career to give you a purpose a place to call home a country to live in and 
There's also the simple joys and pleasures in life. All of these things in life are pieces of the puzzle. Life is a gigantic puzzle. And I think it's constantly changing too. What yeah. works for your puzzle one year might not be the same the next. You might yeah. really value career one year and the next you actually prefer family or maybe you want to travel or maybe you want to settle down. But yeah. I think what's beautiful about the way you just described it is that we have freedom to explore and see what we like. And we can live in different countries if we'd like to. We can try different jobs. We can date different people. I think that's such a privilege that being in Australia is one of one of the greatest Uh, freedoms that we have, but also just being the people that we are coming from supportive families, you know, all of that adds to our flexibility and ability to be able to try different things. Yeah. But there's one thing that I love about all continents in the world. Tell me. The flora and fauna. Mm, Because you love nature and animals. Yep. Because animals are more well-behaved than humans. (laughs) They 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 consume natural foods Mm -hmm. And they don't need to have a purpose in life. They only have one task. Do what they can to survive. Survival. Mm -hmm. Animals have sharper senses than humans. They do. And have more common sense than humans do. (laughs) Are you familiar with that show, Modern Family? Yes, I love that show. Same. It's one of my favorites. Very funny. (laughs) In one episode, Claire Dunphy received these numerous gifts for her birthday. Mm -hmm. A spa day, three massages, a meditation class, an ocean pillow, I would love those things, to be honest. Very generous. Yep. And a rage bat, which is unnecessary, <laughs> and a diffuser. <laughs> she got the hint that they all think that she's that she's tense. She asked her family why everyone thinks that she's so tense. Her husband answered the fact answered that she bit through her night guard. <laughs> Who does that? She said that she didn't appreciate being criticized like that. She believes they're criticizing her when they're actually trying to help her. There's a difference. And she can't even admit it to herself. I think people, it's uncomfortable for people to look at themselves. It's, you know, a hard thing to do. It may be hard, but taking a good look at themselves in the mirror is a part of life. Totally. Everyone everyone is, is bound to do it at some point. Even I have. Mm-hmm. And I'm self-aware of, of all my behaviours. There's some things about me that aren't really the shiniest, but I'm at least honest about my behaviours. Did you find that going on TV... Uh, kind of showed a different side to you, back to yourself? What was that experience like? For the first time, it felt a little bit weird, Mm -hmm. but I actually began to get used to it. But I don't really have this love of listening to my own voice. And people say that I have this, that I have a great voice. (laughs) You do. I think we don't hear our own voice in our head the way that other people hear it. Although I do consider actors like Idris Elba and... Mm. Ving Rames to have better voices than I do. They're far deeper. They're people that I'd love to have on the podcast too. Look, put them on your wish list and I'm sure you'll get there. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I have a few more questions. Sure. Are there some subjects in life that you feel uncomfortable talking about? I'm such a creative person that I find maths and science and uh, politics kind of not my greatest passions, although I can appreciate them, but I would say that. Okay, let me ask you this. Who cares about maths? (laughs) Not me. I actually didn't take – I took a very, very basic maths uh, subject in my HSC and the school that I went to, that was a very unusual thing to do. Uh, The school was very um, big on academic performance, especially in maths and science. And 
it kind of broke the mold, I think, for myself and a few other people to not take those subjects. I took no science. I did all drama and arts classes in my final exams. And I remember being told by teachers and people that had finished school already and even extended family members that it was quite a bad decision to do that because it can affect your um, overall mark. But my argument which stays true to this day, is if you're good at something and if you love it, you're going to do much better than if you hate a subject and you're kind of dragging yourself through it. So um, that proved true. Who cares what your parents want? (laughs) Yes. Parents have these irritating habits and these irritating (laughs) behaviours. I'm sure they think the same about us. I'm sure they think we're irritating as kids. Well, they're the ones that chose to be parents, (gasps) so that's on them. (laughs) True, true. Ever since Love on the Spectrum happened, my mother began to um, change her, her viewpoint on my pursuit of acting mm. and all that. So she's she's really supportive. That's awesome. She encouraged me to follow my dreams. That's awesome. But prior to Love on the Spectrum, I was a nobody who had nothing else going for him. So if I if it wasn't for Love on the Spectrum, I'd still be in the same position I was five years ago grinding away, being involved in the rat race and living a very aimless, soulless, unfulfilling life. Sometimes all you need is one lucky break, don't you? Yep. You just need one opportunity or one door to open and exactly. it snowballs. Exactly. <clears throat> anyway, what are some of your activities when you are not working? Um, as I said before, I love health and, and fitness. I have done a few triathlons in my time. Um, I love doing things that people say you can't do or kind of that seem a little bit crazy, especially when it comes to physical challenges. I like pushing myself because I think it's more of a mental challenge um, than physical sometimes. So, mm. you know, trying things that I'm not naturally good at. I'm not a naturally athletic person. I'm not great at swimming. I'm not great at cycling, but signing up for triathlons allows me to train in a way that challenges myself and and I become better. So I love that sort of thing. I love cooking. I love um, being with my family, being by the beach. I've always been very lucky to grow up, uh, you know, in a coastal, small coastal town. So I feel very at home when I'm by the water. Mm. Um, And now living in Bondi, I get to have a swim most days, which is Mm. awesome. But I would just say, yeah, all forms of different creative pursuits and anything health-related. Yeah, of course. Bondi is definitely a very beautiful place, but it's not a place I would ever live. (laughs) It's It's, pretty full-on. Yeah, that's that's too much for me to for me to handle. It's very uh, bustling, so it's not for the faint-hearted. But it's lovely that we're so close to the beach, and you know, there's Mm. beautiful walking tracks that you can do as well. And you're right near the city, so I love it. Yeah. I got one last question for sure. you. What are your f- philosophies on life and do you have any suggestions on how to live life to the fullest? Well, I think and we seem to have a lot in common when we reflect on the meaning of life today, which has been yeah. so nice to hear your perspective as well. I think my philosophy for life is just to live true to who you are, to share your gifts with the world, to serve other people. I think helping others is a really, really important part of why we're here and our journey. Connecting with others, creating, and just being a good, kind human. I think that's all we can ask for. If everyone focused on doing that, the world would be a beautiful place. And I think just leaning into what makes you feel 
good. I think there's this misconception that life is about being happy. You know, we have to find happiness and we have to strive after happiness. I don't think that's true. I think we have to strive after fulfillment and what gives our life meaning, which is something I always ask my guests on my podcast is, what do you think the meaning of life is? Um, Because it's a lifelong quest and a journey to uncover that. And it's different for everyone. But I think, um, you know, chasing fulfillment and, and experiencing all the different emotions on the spectrum is what's really important. Of course. I have now reached the end of my questions. Now we can move on to a special segment known as the Ask Mr. A Plus segment, where you can ask me any questions about anything. Well, I think I would just keep it nice, short and sweet. I've only got one question for you, which is what I just hinted to. But Michael, what do you think the meaning of life is? In my eyes, the meaning of life is to live life to the fullest. Don't allow society to determine your path or or what you want or what your heart wants and take advice from people on board but decide what you want don't do what others want want you to do if there's something you don't enjoy doing stop doing it don't do things you don't enjoy doing for another person's sake because really you're not doing yourself any benefit thanks for sharing i think you're such an incredible and awesome human and thanks. it's been so wonderful to chat with you it's been really an honor Thank you, Georgia. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, coming on this podcast. Thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you for having me. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And you never know, maybe one day we'll be acting in the same show together or the same play. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be crazy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.